We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So if you think this 2023 Ravens squad is special, DNA-wise, talent-wise, whatever-wise, you're certainly not the only one. Definitely not. You would be with Lamar Jackson, OBJ, and Roquan Smith, who all talked on Wednesday about how they have a unique opportunity to chase a Super Bowl this year, and they don't want this roster and this year to go to waste. I'm Bobby Trossett alongside my co-host and partner, Sarah Ellison. It is Thursday, December 7th. And this is your morning Ravens update from Inside the Vault, presented by our friends at GEHA. Well, Ravens wide receiver Odell Beckham Jr., he is set to reunite with the L.A. Rams this weekend, the very team he won a Super Bowl with, Super Bowl 56, as a member of. So OBJ spoke about the matchup itself, and John Harbaugh set the table for what Baltimore must do game plan-wise. Plus, we're going to have a full injury report from Wednesday for you, which looks awfully promising for a potential Marlon Humphrey return. Yeah, we'll have all of that and more coming up. So thank you for waking up at the Morning Vault, where you get the most important Ravens news and our opinions in about 30 minutes. The players are back. They've been back, but this is the first time media have spoke with them. They did their normal Wednesday morning podium pressers. Harbaugh spoke. Lamar spoke. OBJ spoke. Roquan spoke. And it was Lamar who kind of set the tone when he was asked, well, what's the assessment of your team now that you had a week off and now that you're back? What do you think about this team? And, uh... Yeah, let's just say he likes this roster. But when I got back, you know, today and yesterday and stuff like that, I believe our team is just locked in because we know what's ahead of us. We know what got us here, you know. We only can have this team once, I believe, you know, and we know what we, we chasing. Lamar, you've referenced a couple times just, you know, what you're chasing as a team. Do you feel like that there's kind of a singular focus in that regard that you know that this is this this group has the potential to be special and that this is this is a really good opportunity for you as a team not singular focus i believe you know some older guys you know who here who've been in the league a long time is feeling the same way um i'm pretty much one of the young younger veteran guys and i just see it you know just from being in the league you know we had a 2019 
just fell short, you know. But, but right now, you know, I'm preaching it. Like, I feel like I'm preaching to the choir, but it's like, we got to take advantage of what we have, you know, because we might not see it again for a few years. Or probably we might, we might. I ain't going to say that. We might. But, you know, we never know. You never know. Bobby and I, he had the comparison, or at least that lived experience that he had, right? He said, it's almost like he's like, I knew we had something special in 2019, 14 and two, but we fell short. And it's taken him now, 2019, and we're early to 2023, four years later, it's taken him and the Ravens to get to the point again where you feel like, okay, now we're talking. We're healthy enough, still missing Mark Andrews and some other pieces, but pretty darn healthy. He feels like it's a, I mean, you don't want it to go to waste. And I like at the end, he caught himself. He didn't sell Eric DaCosta short of being able to come up with another roster, but it is what it is. Lamar's contract will get more and more expensive. You don't know what's going to happen injury-wise. Like, you can't control the future. So he's like, let's get this done now. <laughs> yeah, it just speaks to the window of opportunity, which we addressed in Wednesday's morning vault, right? Like, they understand there's so many factors that go into play here while that that window of opportunity is is wide open or or that makes that window of opportunity that we've been referencing this week as wide open as it seems to be not only in the health category check aside from Mark Andrews to your point but then what's happened around them in the AFC specifically in the AFC North at the quarterback position check um, but but then just availability roster wise in all three phases on top of the investments that were made, throughout the course of last offseason to put playmaking ability around Lamar and have a championship caliber defense that is elite with a capital E. You know, like there are so many factors that go into this. And so I think it's a good segue to what Odell Beckham Jr. was asked about, and that is just this Super Bowl mentality, what QB1 talks about when the cameras aren't around, right? And this is often one thing that I remember we made these observations, I don't know, within the last year or so but remember Lamar was at one point in his career early on because of what he well guaranteed with Dion on draft night right that he's going to bring a Super Bowl you're going to get a Super Bowl out of me that became such a talking point for him early on that I don't know if it was a concerted effort that he made or somebody else around him in his ear made but there was a point in time where it was like you know you don't we don't always have to talk about this if not asked about it specifically. Anyway, here's Odell talking a little bit about Lamar's aspirations. Winning the Super Bowl, kind of his focus. Winning the Super Bowl, okay. Yeah, with teammates, does he talk about, does he bring that up a lot? Yeah, I mean, but he brings it up in a, in a sense of when we're talking about a specific route or a detail. You know, it's like, oh, this we need to do this, that, and the third. We need to do that. That way it's going to work out. He's like, yeah. And then he always ends up, he's like, I'm trying to win a bowl. Come on. Like, that's just how, that's just a way of harping on the small details because they're going to be important, and that's what's going to help him, help us, obviously, you know, try and achieve that goal. But we know that it's a, it's a big task. It's a lot of um, small details that go into that. But um, I think we're up for it. So, Bobby, I, I love that from OBJ. That I mean, he's basically saying, like, yeah, Lamar pretty much talks about it all the time. It's not like big pounding the table speeches. It's just always in the details of things. Like, I got to get me a bowl. I got to get this, got to get that. 
Um, the first episode I did when you were when you were on the plane, I'm sure I was recording it while you were flying out to you know Austria or whatever. But I did an episode. I don't, like I don't know where you are, you know, most of this time, but I do know you're in Rome right now. So joining us from over across the the the, uh, the other side of the world. But I, I kind of went on a soapbox that I'd been sitting on for a while, and I gave four reasons why I feel like people have gotten Lamar wrong so often, and I one of them was it's because he's unafraid of goals. And high goals, thinking thinking big. Now, you could say on one end, hey, stop talking about it. You're just like this young guy. You haven't even taken a snap in the league. And we see that with young guys coming out all the time. They're just talking before they even know what's required. But then there's also another set of people that talk big, but also back it up with their work ethic. And I, I kind of had the analogy that, you know, there's some people out there that don't even like to write down their goals. They don't like to. And one of the reasons is, is because the goal is a judge. It judges you. And it's going to tell you, it's looking at you. It's the all-seeing eye, right, that we see on the dollar bill in the pyramid that's constantly looking and judging you. And you know whether you're living up to your own expectations for yourself. People can't, lots of people can't handle that pressure. So not only is Lamar writing it down personally, but he speaks it out into the universe. Out to literally everybody's listening and has a camera in his face and a microphone in his face, and he doesn't shy away from it. That is not the type of, oh, you know, I'm, I'm 10 years old and I'm going to be a billionaire someday and you have no clue what you're talking about. He's still saying it when he knows what's required and when he's fallen short and he's ridiculed for falling short. He still doesn't shy away from it. I feel like that type of speaking out goals is part of the formula of greatness. So I love that OBJ is saying, yeah, he talks about it and he talks about it a lot because that's the goal and why should you shy away from it? I love it too. I also love that I, I think there was an adjustment made at one point. When he's asked about it these days, like he was on Wednesday, absolutely. You're going to always say, he's always going to revert back to what he said on draft night. Like that is the singular focus. We're working towards that. But I think at, at some point along the line, I don't know if it was calculated or not, he got away from it a little bit. And maybe that was related to the last couple of years of, of him being injured down the stretch. And you don't typically talk about it that early in the season. But yeah, I love I, it. I, I've loved I don't it. know. I don't think he's ever gotten away from it. I honestly don't. I, I can't remember a time that like, I guess I don't know what you're referring to. I mean, definitely when he was injured and not talking uh, to the media in general. But I don't feel like he's ever shied away from it. I don't know if shied away is is the phrase that I'm sort of suggesting it's it's more along the lines of like maybe it didn't come up as much in press conferences as it did earlier on whatever it was I felt like there was a little bit of a uh, a time of a time period where it didn't come up as much anyway gotcha. point being well, he's never shied away from it there's never been any question about that for sure yeah well and meanwhile so okay so that's Lamar putting it out there but you know, and he says he's preaching it, like he's preaching the choir, like everybody knows what they have, you know, um, but he wants to take advantage of it, but he's not the only one. So when OBJ was asked about, you know, their opportunity and how good they are, he said, yeah, that's one of the reasons why I signed here. Yeah, now, but I feel 
when you when when we could sit here today at this point and you know we're nine and three and this team's playing the way that they're playing, it's a lot easier to say it now. But I feel like before when I was looking at where to go and who to sign with and who's going to have an opportunity to be here, this was you know what I envisioned, um, not knowing that. Harbs, you know, runs this place the right way. Like I just know, I always played against the Ravens, and it was always tough. It was always difficult. It was a team that, you know, was just relentless. Um, you know, tough football, and you know, sitting here now at nine and three, um, definitely, you know, know that there's an opportunity. But it comes with the same thing that we've been doing, you know, for the first twelve games. It's just finding ways to win football games, finding ways to be elite, um, score points, and not allow the other teams to score points, but. It's definitely a good opportunity we have. When you and then finally, just to follow it up, Roquan Smith also asked about the opportunity this year. I definitely think this is a very uh, unique situation and a very unique team and uh, a lot of veteran leadership and got a lot of younger guys as well that's, that are very hungry. And like truth be told, going into each and every year, there's truly only probably eight, nine teams that actually have a chance to compete for a Super Bowl. And that's on a, a higher side. And just knowing that we actually have uh, an opportunity to, but we just can't get to the bigger picture. We have to take it one game at a time. And we express that to each other uh, day in and day out. And it's just about going one and no for the week. And if we feel as we do that and play to the best of our ability the sky's the limit but we can't get ahead of ourselves we've got a great matchup with LA this week take care of that and then we just go on from there but the big focus right now is just this week so a good balance there they all see they all see the potential of this team he said it was on the larger side 10 teams as contenders I really see maybe four or five I think the Ravens Eagles 49ers Chiefs Dolphins you could probably put in there um, I think those are the true contenders, but it, they all know it. Like we all know we're special, but one game at a time, let's go one and zero this week. I miss it, man. It feels like forever since we've had a chance to sit down with them virtually looking forward to getting back to that. Once this, uh, you know, this is all by week and whatnot and week 14 is in the rear view mirror. So be on the lookout for that. But before we get to the next segment, the vault, as you heard at the top is presented by GEHA. That's government employee health association. They are proudly providing health and dental benefits to federal employees and their families for 86 years. And with over 2 million members and growing, GEHA continues to serve those members and families who serve all of us every single day. And GEHA wants to give you the chance to show your purple pride with an exclusive pregame Ravens tunnel experience between now and December 19th. So you got a little bit chunk of time here. Fans can enter for the opportunity to be in the tunnel as the Ravens get ready to take the field on New Year's Eve against the Miami Dolphins. Two grand prize winners brought to you by GEHA will receive the following for that game. Again, New Year's Eve, December 31st of this year. Two game tickets, two backyard bash passes, exclusive pregame tunnel experience, as you heard, one complimentary parking pass, and two Ravens gift bags. So a lot's on the line here. Uh, all Ravens fans living in Delaware, the District of Columbia, Maryland, Pennsylvania, and Virginia are eligible to enter. The contest is open to the public. You can see the sweepstakes rules in the show notes below where we have a link for you. As always, GEHA, Government Employees Health Association, your friend in federal since 1937. We know federal because we only provide benefits for federal you can visit GEHA.com to learn more. Uh, partner, what do we have going on in terms of uh, a look at the L.A. Rams and specifically 
what's supposed to be a brutal December day weather-wise at the bank. Yeah, so um, so a couple of things. So in terms of the weather, which, you know, I don't feel like the Ravens have handled super well. I guess I'm just thinking of that Bills playoff game. I, I just think yeah. back to that and how brutal that yeah. was. But there was a brutal, like, game against the 49ers that was in bad weather, and the Ravens won that. So, okay, so yeah. so they, they, have, they have won in that weather. But supposed to be lots of wind, lots of rain. Lamar was asked, is there any way you can prepare for that? Uh, wet ball drill. I can't do anything about the wind, but, you know, we do a lot of wet ball drills. Um, put the ball in the uh, garbage garbage can, fill it up with water, put the ball in, and just go from there and just throw the ball. But the wind, we can't do nothing about the wind. Yeah, so that is what it is. Both teams have to play in it. Um, could see, which honestly, a bad weather game, to be honest, to me, seems like it could favor the Ravens more. Uh, Ravens obviously can run in any type of weather. Um, I, I feel like it'd be tougher on a passing game, especially if there's a lot of wind, which I feel like that's kind of what um, the Rams have leaned into a bit. So, but I, I'll speak for myself here, Bobby. You tell me if you feel the same way, but you know, you look at a schedule, you look at a stretch and you kind of pencil in W's and losses and this and that. And I frequently would, my eyes would go to like Jacksonville and Miami. Right. And LA only recently has become a 500 team. So to me, I just have somewhat overlooked them until now that we're here, but watch out because these guys, the Rams have been on a tear the last three games. Jeremy Fowler tweeted out some of their, um, their stats. So he tweeted the Rams in the last three games with Kyrene Williams, Cooper cup and Puka Nakua. I hope I'm saying that right. In the lineup together. So with those three all in the lineup together, they're averaging 33 points per game the last three games, 412.7 yards per game, and they have a 3-0 record. Williams and Cup both missed time at points. Now the Rams are healthy and loaded up for a playoff push. So just so we know who the opponents were, where they've done this against, it was against the Seahawks, Cardinals, and Browns. Cardinals, obviously not the biggest foe. They did just beat the Steelers, but not the biggest Seahawks. Respectable team. And Browns, certainly a good defense. So to put up that kind of that, that many points against the Browns, I think that the Rams are one of those teams that are getting better at the right time. Oh, and by the way, they got number 99 on the defensive interior front, which John Harbaugh spoke about Aaron Donald and the challenge that he presents. And Sarah, in full transparency, I'm having a lot of technical issues, so I'm going to let you go ahead and press that. <laughs> all right, will do. At all times, and try to get as many people blocking him as you can, you know, for as long as you can, which is a, which is a tall order. He's one of the, probably the greatest to ever play in their, that position. and um, So he's definitely that, but not just him. They've got quite a, quite a few really good players on defense. They play really hard. They're flying around. Uh, very disruptive front. So we've got our work cut out for us. So that's on the defensive side. I mean, hard to argue that. I mean, I don't have the list in front of me, but Aaron Donald, certainly one of the best at that position. People have compared Matabike to him. Certainly, obviously, hasn't accomplished as much as him, but Matabike has worked out with Aaron Donald in the past, and he is a guy that Matabike looks up to. Matabike obviously having a huge breakout season. Uh, so both sides having their dangerous defensive tackles, but that is just on the defensive side. What about on the offensive side? Here's Harbs again. Right, that's a big challenge. I mean, it's it's number one priority. Uh, you have to keep these guys from from the chunk pass plays. It's uh, 
whether it's play action, drop back pass. I mean, their, their drop back pass rate right now is one among the highest in the league, if not the highest in terms of pretty much every situation. Got a quarterback that knows how to do it, knows how to handle protection, but uh, but also the boots, you know, the change, the misdirection passes with the run game. So kind of all ties together in their system. Matt Stafford knows how to do it, you know, as well as anybody as far as running that system. Uh, great play caller. So uh, all those things come into play. Now, Bobby, I don't know if you can see the screen, but I have the NFL rankings for both teams side by side. Yep. So I'll just, uh, okay, yeah. So, again, those rankings are a little bit deceiving. It looks like um, it looks like the Rams are just number 13 in offense, which it's true, but obviously getting hot at the right time. Rush defense, 15. Pass offense, 15. Points for game, number 13. Ravens rank better in all of them. Except from the pass offense, Ravens number seven in total offense, one in rush offense, 20 in pass offense, seven in points per game. And then you go to the defensive side and the Ravens just obviously <laughs> two in total defense, one in points per game, uh, two against pass defense, and then 11 in rush defense, whereas the Rams are pretty much ranked 16, 14 to 16 in all of those things. So uh, again, on paper, looking like an average team, but I don't know that that's what we're going to see on Sunday. I don't think we are. Yeah, I mean, this, this is a team that's, what, two years removed from being Super Bowl champions. And we know that they spent a lot of money in order to get that done, one of which was was on Odo Beckham Jr., who, who we all know is getting ready for not even a rematch, but like a reuniting, if you will, with, with his former team. And that's something that he spoke about facing the Rams come Sunday. It's a special bond that uh have with those guys over there, Coop, Stafford. Um, you know, I still could hit a little group chat and, you know, talk some trash to him this week and just, uh, it's just all love and respect. You know, McVay's been, he kind of was the person who, or the whole situation and organization kind of brought me back to loving and having joy for, for football and, and understanding true professionalism and being prepared. And um, it was just a great experience for me alongside of, you know, winning Super Bowl. But uh, just overall, it, it was one of the best things that's happened in my life. Yeah, he clearly cherishes his time there. I love the respect he gives to the Rams. He gives yeah. great respect to the Ravens, too. It's just two organizations where it seems like you've got head coaches where the players respect them. They have just an organization that's set up that allows you to thrive and to win. And uh, it seems like OBAJ, you know, appreciates both places. Yeah, Sarah, this is one of the cool things about I don't know, Odell at this point in his career, whether it's at the tail end, whether it's approaching the tail end, whatever you think it is, which he's coming on as of late. He know We know that he has a lot. He feels as if he has a lot left in the tank and a lot left to prove post-torn ACL. So wherever he is in his career, it's cool to see him at this point of reflection, at this point of being able to look back. And even though it... Who, who knows how he looks at each one of his stops across the league, right? New York, Cleveland, L.A. Like, I'm sure he doesn't look at all of them as fondly as he does. <laughs> what organization he goes to for a year or two, right, and, and wins a Super Bowl. And so I just think it's been fun to watch the Odell the vet and the evolution of that for not only what he's meant to the peers in his room uh, and, of course, his quarterback, uh, but but also the productivity that he's given this team over the last month or so, and hopefully more to come from there. 
I also like, I, I think it's a good point. I also like this other side of him where, you know, somebody asked him today, you know, knowing that you already have played in a Super Bowl, are you more patient throughout like the year knowing that it's like, okay, this is a buildup. This is a slow process. And he was like, yeah, kind of, you know, <laughs> and, and, and I think that probably helped him when he was coming back from that injury and then got re-injured elsewhere. It wasn't the same injury. And then had to sit out for a while. And he said at first he kind of failed his own test, but then realized, wait, I got to get out of this. This is, this is a long season, you know? And so that's, that's the way it is. It's just like, you know what you have, but you got to be patient. Can't, you can't win the Super Bowl in week one. You can't win the Super Bowl in week 14. You just take it one game at a time. So he has certainly matured there. So speaking of this matchup, let's go ahead and look at the injury report, Bobby. Our injury report is brought to you by, you guessed it, our sponsor that we've been having, GEHA, Government Employees Health Association. So Ravens looking good. Yep. Only one player who's not on IR or any of the other injury lists, only one player did not practice on Wednesday, and that was Rashad Bateman, and it was because of an illness, not due to an injury. John Harbaugh said that he thinks that Bateman, or he hopes that Bateman will be, be back uh, Thursday. So we'll see. Just depends on how he's feeling. Um, let's see. The limited guys was Malik Harrison. As we know, he's... Um, He's the one coming off of IR, so he has uh, – no, no, that's, that's, that's Ham. I'm off on that. So Malik Harrison, he was limited with that growing. Uh, Justin Matabike, he's coming back from the concussion. He was limited. So it makes me wonder, uh, he, he could be in stage four where he's not allowed to go full, you know, full go back, or he could be fully cleared and they're just being cautious. So either way, he's certainly trending in the right direction. Trenton Simpson, who was also coming off a concussion, he was in full. Um, Mar Marlon Humphrey, his calf, he missed last game. He was full, so that's looking and trending in the right direction for him to potentially play, which they'll need him against all these Rams uh, weapons. And then um, Pepe Williams, who is on IRDR uh, with that ankle, he was full go. So, Bobby, I mean, I know Mark Andrews is missing, so is Bowser and you know a couple of others, but you can't you can't ask for much more in December. Well, this just screams at me like. Well rested, <laughs> mini <Yeah>. bye week, <laughs> mini bye week, full bye week. You know, an opportunity to get a little R and R, get a little bit more of uh, you know physical therapy if if needed. Time away, time with family, time with your significant other, whatever it might be. And and now you're ready for this this long. It could end up being you know you just you just never know. It could end up being a two month stretch. You know, or it could be mm -hmm. for some teams, or some teams already know that it's literally only going to be a month. But, but that's that's what it is. And here's the the LA Rams picture in terms of what they're looking at right now. Nothing too crazy, but like you said, the Puka Nakua, their their standout wide receiver, uh, he was limited on Wednesday with a shoulder setback, so something to monitor throughout the week. Tyler Higby, one of their tight ends, he was a DNP with a neck. We know he's certainly capable of um, of being a game wrecker out there for them offensively speaking, and then a few of their defensive players, uh, including uh, on the other side of the ball, uh, Rob Havenstein at, at, at offensive line. He just had a rest day on Wednesday. Nothing crazy here, Sarah, unless you wanted to add something. 
No, just that it was, this is an estimated injury report for the Rams because they had more of a, a walkthrough. So I think we just revert back to what Jeremy Fowler said. They are getting healthier at the right time. Yeah. Yep. All right. So just a couple fun things <laughs> before we uh, get to our quick hits and then we'll, we'll wrap up here. Oops. We forgot to say this about Marlon. He said, uh, Marlon Humphrey from the locker room said uh, he feels good and quote ready, according to Jonas Schaefer. And All that's right, huge. So, that is absolutely huge oh. because the playmaking that they're going to have on the outside or whether he's in the slot, wherever, wherever he's going to be over the next month, there's no shortage of playmaking over the, 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 the waning few games here and having him fully healthy Marlon Humphrey or whatever he is percentage wise is a whole lot better than not having him. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. So I think this was during the bye or right before the bye. Lamar Jackson, there was a picture of him with, with Snoop Dogg. Uh, so this is the first time that media have spoken with him since that that picture was floating around. And he was asked, you know, do you get starstruck? I mean, obviously, he's like a superstar. But when you're around other guys like Snoop, like, do you get starstruck? And this is what he said. It's Snoop Dogg. You know, um, I was hyped. Kind of starstruck. But I was hyped for the most part. Is that your first time meeting him? Yeah, in person, yeah. It was. It was cool. Are there a lot of moments for you where you kind of have a chance to kind of step back? You said you were starstruck. I mean, do you ever, how often do you step back and like, this is kind of crazy that my life kind of allows me to, to socialize with these people I grew up uh, really putting on the pedestal? Uh, sometimes I do. I pretty much do it right in front of them. Like, just be hyped like a little kid, you know. Um, and yeah, like sometimes, you know, I, I think about it, but like I said, it's right in front of him. I don't think about it when I walk away from him. Like, I do it right in front of him, like, damn, it's Snoop Dogg. I was like, I was like. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I love Lamar. So he just keeps it real. So then he was later asked, okay, 
Well, that's what you're like when you're starstruck. How do you handle it when fans come up to you and they're starstruck in front of you? Oh, no, I pretty much, I'm down to earth, so I pretty much be cool with it, you know. Tight hugs, long hugs, crying hugs. I'm cool with whatever, you know, I love the fans, man. I love the fans. <laughs> do, you, do you remember that one video where, like, I can't remember what it was, but it, was, it seemed like it was, like, with an eight-year-old boy or whatever, at like a ho they were in like some part of the hotel and the kid came up and just hugged Lamar and like was bawling. Lamar was great. Like he just kept hugging him and he's like giggling and laughing because I think Lamar <laughs> genuinely liked it. Like it's what he said. I'm just down to earth. So if you want to cry, if you want to hold on to me, like whatever you want to do, I'm cool with it. <laughs> I want to say, and don't quote me on this, but that's, that's sort of bringing me back to when he was inducted into the Louisville Hall of Fame, maybe, or their mm -hmm. Ring of Honor, or whatever it was a, a year or two ago during the bye week, if I'm not mistaken. And I think, I think he may have been like a young Cardinal fan who just literally went delirious when Lamar walked in the room. So, anyway, that was just one of the many, many people that he's sent into a total frenzy by by his sheer presence alone. But, but he said it. He's as down to earth as it gets. That's just how it is. Like one thing you're about to hear from OBJ is that like he calls it a flaw of his to not view himself maybe the way that the rest of the world does. And I feel like Lamar's the same way. Like in Lamar's mind, he's still chilling down and I, I feel like this is the case. We're not actually in his mind, but it's as if he's still down in South Florida, not having um, earned a dime from his football career and just playing for the love of the game, hanging out in the streets with his boys, like doing whatever. And that's still the way he is. Like the money, at least from the outside looking in has not changed him. And I feel like that's a, a pretty dang admirable trait. All right. So here is, where's the OBJ one? Uh, sorry, I should have had it ready. I forgot you can't press play on him. Oh, there he is. OBJ. Starship. To me, it's hard. I think that might be one of my bigger flaws, I would say, is like sometimes I don't see myself as what the world could portray me. Um, at certain moments, I just see myself as, you know, Odell. And I know at moments I could be OBJ or whatever you would want to call it. Like I'm just a – it's just how I've always been, how I was raised probably. But um, – you know, I, I remember a little bit when I was younger and I, after the catch, I'll never forget, uh, LeBron was in New York and I ended up going to Carbone with him and I was like, this is like my idol idol. You know, this is the person who, I think I'm a little slew-footed because of him. You know, like I, I really tried to emulate and watch everything that he did. So um, I definitely know what it's like, but I just feel like now I've been around it so much that um, I've just had to be accustomed to it or used to it. All right, so on to quick hits here. Um... Bobby, I don't know what the deal is with Kenny and Drake. I am definitely seeing a different side of him since he left. I don't know if you saw it uh, when the Browns beat the Ravens. He put out a tweet, something like, uh, I can't remember. Basically, he was basically bragging that the Browns won, but he never even he never even had a touch in the game. And both Patrick Queen and Marlon Humphrey kind of discussed it on the Punchline podcast. Anyway, fans didn't like that he was, like, talking smack to the Ravens. So now he's back. If you remember during that, I think it was the Colts loss. Yeah, the Colts loss. He had that fumble. Early, it was earlier in the game. And it was, like, the first – it was the first kind of, like, play where I felt like momentum had swung. 
It, it was a huge chunk play. It, yeah, it, because he had a. It was like a, he had this catch and run, and it was like twenty five yards, and then he fumbled at the end of it, and the Ravens were like about to score again. And in no way do I put the entire loss on him, but it definitely was the first moment where momentum started to go back towards the Colts. So anyway, Kenyon Drake tweeted again the other day. Uh, I fumbled in the first quarter of that Colts game, second drive of the game. Oh, was it that early? Second drive? I thought it was like the oh, second yeah. quarter. Okay, second drive of the game. After a 25-yard catch and run, I love y'all, but y'all delusional bleep Ravens fans that keep saying I lost that game can kiss my bleep. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> What is he doing? I don't understand it. That was like months ago. (laughs) He seems, yeah, he seems bitter. Well, I'm sure people are coming after him after, because then Ravens fans went after him when he got, because he was talking trash for the Browns winning, (laughs) even though he did nothing in it. Then he got released from the Browns. So I think there's probably a good number of Ravens fans trolling him (laughs) and probably putting the whole game on him when there was clearly more than just him. But he is, he seems, he seems bitter. He definitely seems bitter. Uh, I kind of find this hilarious. <laughs> this kind of fucking... Calling him delusional, an entire fan base. Oh, gosh. Uh, all right. Well, at least the ones that are trolling him. Uh, Jeremy Fowler, um, he put out a few notes. Basically, he said, quote, the sense out of Pittsburgh is quarterback Kenny Pickett could end up missing four weeks with that right ankle injury. If the four-week outlook holds then Pickett would be back for the season finale at Baltimore on January 7th so uh sounds like honestly I don't know what I don't know that he's like a major step up from Trubisky but I guess we'll find out because Trubisky's gonna be playing for a little while yeah yeah I don't want to return to after a month down to Roquan and the boys I'll tell you that yeah yeah uh uh, Jamison Hensley spoke with Justin Tucker. Uh, now that Tucker is no longer, no longer has the title of the most accurate kicker in NFL history. So Jamison went to Tucker and said, does that mean anything to you? Tucker replied, yes and no. In a given moment when I'm on the field preparing to send a ball through the uprights, I can tell you that's the last thing that I'm worried about. That's like the furthest thing from my mind. All I'm focused on is making that kick in that moment in time for what it's worth, gathering all the data that I need to, applying what I've learned over the years, and that give a moment to do my best to put the ball through the uprights. He says, like, when his career's over, those type of titles will might mean something to him. He can certainly earn it back, uh, but I, I'm glad. That's, like, just, you don't need to think about, it's like, you have a fumble, you have a turnover, you got to put it behind you, you move on to the next play, that's all Tucker can do. Yep, and everybody wants to have the conversation in terms of whether or not you know Justin's lost a step or whatever it is. Bottom line is the stats have not been up to what his elite standard is that he expects of himself this year. Am I worried? Gosh, no. It's something to follow, obviously. I'm still taking him 10 times out of 10 over every kicker across the league. Uh, he has earned that kind of trust. He has ice in his veins, and uh, I have I have the utmost of, of confidence and respect in in the way that he treats his system. He often talks about this system. It's a three man system, right? With with of course I was going to say Nick, but he's got uh, he's got Ott in there now as a long snapper, and he's got 
Jordan Stout, the second-year punter, as his holder. Like, everything has to go correct. He and, he and Randy Brown and the, and the crew come up with this insanely fine-tuned system that has worked so well for him for so long. So when you're in a rut, which maybe this is described as a rut for Justin's standards, that system can work you out of it because of how consistent and the longevity that it's produced for him year in and year out for over a decade. So I'm not going to sit here um, and have too, too many concerns right now or exaggerate maybe um, the, the conversation that's a little bit premature in my mind. And Bobby, did you have something, a quick hit, the last one on Hayden Hurst? I did, yeah. So I just saw his tweet from his father. Of course, he's you know former first-round pick tight end for, for the Ravens. His father, Jerry, tweeted that Hayden has been diagnosed with post-traumatic amnesia by an independent neurologist as a result from the hook, the, the hit, excuse me, he took in Chicago uh, on November 9th. Slow recovery. Don't know when he'll be back. Prayers appreciated. Again, that is from Jerry Hurst, Hayden's father. He's just a good dude, good human being. Sarah got to know him a little bit when he was in town, and uh, I hope the best for him. Yeah, me too. That's crazy. Amnesia. Yeah, sending our best wishes and prayers out to the, to the Hurst family. Want to be sure to shout out and thank two of our returning patrons who are supporting everything we're building here in Baltimore and beyond through Patreon this month. So Leilani and Christopher Washington, thank you both for believing in what we're building here on the channel. If you guys are interested in doing the same, you see it on the bottom line. You can also see it in the show notes below. Patreon.com forward slash Ravens Vault podcast if you're interested. So again, uh, thank you, Sarah, for all the help, obviously, over the last week or so. I'm in Europe through Saturday. I'll be back for game day. And then just just a heads up, uh, there were some technical difficulties throughout this broadcast, which is why you kind of had to handle your handle business as you've had for me uh, for the last week or so. So it that's pretty much a sign that it's time to get my butt back home, which I will be doing <laughs> on Saturday. And until then, we're going to have to figure out the connectivity stuff that I'm dealing with in the hotel. But uh, with that, thank you to everybody. We're still efforting to get a Rams-Ravens preview episode. We had a guest. Unfortunately, they had to cancel last minute on us. So we'll see if we can pivot there. If not, of course, we will be live. I will be. Maybe Sarah will drop in for a segment or whatever. Um, maybe not actually you have Sunday commitments before the game, but I will be live on Sunday from 11 till right up until game time or so from the be more around town tailgate. So huge. Thank you to our sponsor GEHA. Huge. Thank you to my co-host and partner, Sarah Ellison. And for our entire crew here of two, one is in Columbus. One is across the pond here in Europe. I'm Bobby Trossett signing off from this Thursday morning vault. We'll talk to you guys soon.